Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Now he's going to stumble up and he's going to be sacked. Darius Leonard's going to bring him down. Heave it way downfield for Zach Pascal. Touchdown! We're talking Colts and recapping the action. Way downfield for Jack Doyle. He's got it! Touchdown! Comes back 10, 5, touchdown! Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, touchdown! I-N-D-Y! Now here's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. Live from the Power Home Solar Radio Studio. Good evening and welcome to Colts Roundtable Live tonight, presented by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. I'm Matt Taylor with you until 7 o'clock tonight, and the Colts were victorious on Sunday, knocking off the Jaguars 23-17. to The Colts have now won five of their last seven and have even their record at 5-5. Five and five. The Colts are a 500 football team for the first time this season. The Colts sprinted out to a 17-0 lead behind 93 first-quarter rushing yards from Jonathan Taylor and a special teams touchdown. The Colts blocked a punt with Zaire Franklin that was recovered by fellow linebacker E.J. Speed following a three-and-out on Jacksonville's opening drive. Speed picked up the ball at the 12-yard line, stiff-armed a few players, and ran it across the goal line for the score. And the Colts' defense was great all game long. They forced seven three-and-outs on the Jaguars' 13 drives. And they forced the game-sealing takeaway with under two minutes to go. Jaguar quarterback Trevor Lawrence was scrambling up the middle and was hit by DeForest Buckner and Dio Adangbo. Adangbo's hit jarred the football loose. It was recovered by Kamoko Ture. And the Colts have a takeaway in every game this season. They lead the NFL with 21 takeaways on the year. They've also caused a turnover in 11 straight games dating back to last season, which is the longest active streak in the NFL. The Colts ended Sunday with 10 quarterback hits, and they tied a season high with three sacks. And the rookie Lawrence was uncomfortable for most of the game, going just 16 for 35 for 162 yards passing. The offense started hot again thanks to Jonathan Taylor. He finished the day with a season-high 21 carries for 116 rushing yards and a touchdown. He's now tallied a rushing touchdown and 100 yards from scrimmage in seven consecutive games and became just the fourth player ever to do so in seven straight games, joining LaDainian Tomlinson, Lydell Mitchell, and Larry Johnson. With his eighth 100-yard rushing game of his career, he passed Alan Amici and Marlon Mack and tied Joseph Adai for the fifth-most 100-yard rushing games in Colts history, and Taylor now has a rushing touchdown in seven consecutive games. That's the longest active streak in the NFL and the most consecutive games by a Colt since Curtis Dickey Back in 1980, and Taylor now has 937 rushing yards on the season. That's tied with Derrick Henry for the most in the NFL. After Taylor found the end zone to make it 17 to nothing, the offense bogged down a little bit thanks to the Jaguars on defense. The Colts would punt on seven of its next eight possessions. Five of those drives were three and outs, but the Colts got the win in the end, and now they have a chance to prove themselves against some of the best teams in the NFL. Up next are the Buffalo Bills in Week 11, and then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Week 12. Those two teams played in their conference championship games last season, and the Colts are looking to make a statement. None of the Colts' five wins this season have come against a team that was above 500 or made the playoffs last year. We've got a lot to get into tonight. We'll do that with Rick Venturi and Joe Wright starting on segment number two, and we'll take your questions later on the show. As always, if you have a question or a comment on the Colts, tweet it in tonight using hashtag Colts Roundtable. And joining us now for a recap of yesterday's win over the Jaguars is Frank Reich, the head coach of the Colts. He's on the line with us, and it's brought to you, as always, by Citizens Energy Group. 
Coach, thanks for the time, and congrats on the win. After looking at the tape today, what did you make of the win, and what were your big takeaways from Week 10 and the win over Jacksonville? Yeah, it was a, it was a good win against a division opponent. Always love getting those uh, home wins in front of our fans in Lucas Oil. But, you know, defense obviously really played well. Um, you know, loved loved how they finished the game with the, you know, with the strip and, and the fumble recovery. And uh, secondary played well, so really good. Offensively, the run game was good. We didn't turn the ball over. And uh, in a game like that, that was obviously very critically important on a one-possession game. And then special teams, we had the, you know, obviously the big play mm-hmm. uh, on, on the block punt, and we were very good in coverage all day. And, and special teams was indeed special on Sunday. What does a special teams touchdown do for the team's juice on the sideline? What does it do for your odds of winning when you can pull one of those block punts for a touchdown off? It's a big deal. I, I, the stat used to be, I, I know it's not this high anymore, but I remember a long time ago, um, the stat used to be like 75 or 80 percent. You block a punt um, and yeah. score, it, it's, it's going to be 80 percent win. I don't know what what that stat is right now, but it does really just inject juice, I think, into the whole mm-hmm. sideline and the whole stadium. Yeah, I mean the offense, as you said, it was humming early, 17 to nothing, uh, scoring points on the first two drives of the game. But then the Jaguars played very well on defense after the first quarter. What made it tough to move the ball on Jacksonville for a lot of that game after the first couple of possessions? Well, we had a couple. We had three three and outs in a row in the second quarter where we just self-inflicted wounds, you know, penalties on first down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now you're, you know, you're in long yardage situations uh, against a good defense. And, yeah, we still need to overcome that, but we need to do a better job of not self-inflicted wounds and, uh, you know, and give ourselves, you know, give ourselves a better chance there. And meanwhile, on defense, Quiddy Pay notched his first career sack. Then Dio Dangbo recorded the game-winning force fumble. How nice is it, Coach, to see those two guys, your top two picks in your draft class, making game-changing plays, and they're coming to life here? Yeah, that's really what we were envisioning, you know, um, coming to fruition. And hopefully this is just the start of that multiplying in many other ways so those guys are working hard they're making progress and then they're on the right track all right last one from me you said after the game hey the afc afc it's still there you you can still make some noise it's still there for your taking why can't the colts go on a run that has to resonate with the players to stay dialed in and stay focused with only seven games to go and you have two really big opportunities against quality teams coming up the next two weeks against buffalo and tampa bay back to back that's right and uh you know, I believe we have the team to do that. Uh, listen, I, I know it's not going to be easy. I mean, we're, we understand the challenges that are in front of us, but we also understand the team that we have. Mm-hmm. So um, the way we do it is, you know, we, we come to work every week. We focus on what we need to focus on. Focus on. And right now that's only the Buffalo Bills. And um, don't try to get too far out in front of it. Forget what's behind us. And, you know, let's just focus on, getting prepared to play a good Bills team on the road and do what we have to do to win that game. Colts head coach Frank Reich is joining us here on Colts Roundtable Live. We want to leave plenty of room for some good fan questions tonight. If you have a question for Coach, you can tweet it in tonight and every Monday night using hashtag Colts Roundtable. Let's go to Carl, and I think you already talked about this with the media today on the the press conference, but Carl is asking, what are your feelings on Carson Wentz's left-handed passes and trying to make things happen when plays break down. Yeah, no, I mean, we don't like that. I don't like it. And, but also understand that there are certain things that players do that are instinctive. And 
so it's a very fine line, Matt, uh, Matt, as I would answer this question, I'd say to this is, you know, the confidence, the, the quarterback needs to know that, hey, we trust you and believe in you. You know, that's not what we want to see or do, but we understand that, you know, that that's an instinctive move. So try to filter that out of your system, but I don't want the guy to play scared, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't want him to play, you know, I want him to play hesitant. So you got to maintain your aggressive mindset and that's what we expect from Carson and the same time understanding the responsibility he has to take care of the ball. That's well said. No doubt about that. All right, Nick is up next. Uh, this is an interesting one. How much do you work the officials during the game? And how do you see that? Uh, how does that pay off for you uh, during the course of a game? I mean, I wouldn't call it working the officials. I mean, I'm in constant communication with them. And, you know, sometimes it's just in a normal tone of voice and then other times not so normal tone <laughs> uh, when we're not happy with something. But I really try to stay more conversational tone. You know, listen, I, I really think the officials are, are doing a good job this year. Um, it's a hard – they have a very difficult job. So they do a good job of communicating. You know, we, uh, you know, we talk to them. I talk to them before the game let them know what our concerns are, let them know what we're looking for, so on and so forth. They talk with us as well, and then just kind of keep that dialogue open during the game and get explanations for what's going on. Now, this is me asking this question. Do you know who the officials are going into the game in terms of what their emphasis is? I mean, do you track their flags and, and how many times they call this or that going into a game? Absolutely. We do a scouting report on the officials. You know, we know because certain groups have more of a tendency to call roughing the passer other mm -hmm. groups will call more taunting you know stuff like that so you know we keep track of all that stuff and um you know we warn our players hey here's what these guys like here's what they have a tendency to call all right chris is up next uh how much do you still think about the playoff loss in buffalo and what can we take from that game heading into this game well you know i don't think about it in terms i mean that, that game is long gone i mean you know i'm only looking at it and watch the tape again, mm -hmm. you know, to refamiliarize ourselves with how they played us and how, what, what did we do well against them? What can we build off of? What can we carry over or change or complement? Um, but, you know, I, I think we should take from that game confidence. You know, we went on the road in the playoffs against a team that was red hot and gave them everything that, you know, gave them everything we had and was certainly in the game right till the very end. So it really, if nothing else, should give us a lot of confidence going up there uh, this mm -hmm. week. All right, Mitch is up next. He's asking, Coach, how tired are you and the team of hearing how the Colts can't beat playoff teams, and how will that motivate you this week? Well, I know one way that we could stop having yeah. to hear it. You know, yep. We could start actually doing it. Yep. So um, that's really that responsibility falls on us, and you know that's the goal. All right, up next, Fred, is Michael Badgley making it hard to make a kicking decision when Rodrigo Blankenship gets healthy? Yeah, no, he really is. I mean, Badge is doing a great job. Um, so, you know, he's really earned the right to, you know, to continue to kick. And, um, you know, as Rod is, as Rod is really kind of taking the last stages um, of gaining his full strength back. Um, but, you know, this is very, in some ways, very typical, Matt, I mean, where – you know, you got somebody gets hurt and someone steps in and plays, and if the guy's doing a great job, it, right. it's not it's not crazy for, for the for the team to say, hey, let's just keep going with this guy and ride yep. the hot hand. Up next, again, are those Buffalo Bills, Coach? They're 6-3 and three right now in second place in the AFC playoff standings. Um, they beat the Jets on Sunday. Nice performance out of them, 45-17. to 17. 
Um, it was their sixth win of the season. You know the Bills well, again, after seeing them last year in the playoffs. Um, they're elite on defense as well, taking the ball away with 24 takeaways, leading the NFL in that category. What else do you make of the Bills heading into this big game in Week 11? Yeah, I mean, very good, very good, very well-coached team. You know, obviously, Josh Allen is an incredible talent at quarterback on offense. they got really good skill. Um, you know, Stephon Diggs and, and the like, those guys, you know, they're skill players. So this is a good challenge, um, and this is a great opportunity for us, right, to go up against a good team and, and earn some respect. That's Frank Reich here on Colts Roundtable Live every Monday night. And, Coach, we always appreciate the time and the insight. Have a great week of practice and preparation, and we will talk to you later this week heading into the Buffalo game. Thanks, Matt. That's our weekly talk with Frank Reich. It's always brought to you by Citizens Energy Group, saving home on monthly bills when you can serve water and energy for money-saving tips. Visit citizensenergygroup.com. When we come back, we'll continue to talk Colts football, recap that win over the Jaguars. We'll also preview the upcoming game on Sunday against the Bills. Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights join me for that when we come back. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. Sportsbook, the sportsbook for the people. Download and get started with a risk-free bet of up to $5,000. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 years or older. We now return to Colts Roundtable Live. Once again, here's Matt Taylor from the Power Home Solar Radio Studio. Welcome back again on Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. It's presented by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Tonight's show is also brought to you by CBS4. News doesn't stop when you go to sleep. Get caught up with everything with Angela, Nick, Krista, and Rachel Weekdays on CBS4 this morning. I'm Matt Taylor again with Joe Wrights and Rick Venturi. And we're with you until 7 o'clock tonight talking Colts football, recapping the win for the Colts over the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday, 23-17, to as the Colts improved to 5-5 five and five on the season, and they are a 500 football team for the first time this year. Rick, after watching the tape, do you, do you feel better or worse about the Colts' close win over the Jags on Sunday? Well, you know, you know, I, I'm very happy in the sense that, you know, we talk, I talked about the climb to five, you know, so at 10 games, I'm happy that we got that fifth win. We're, we're in position now. We're, we're back in position to, because of the mm-hmm. AFC muddle. We're in position to totally control our destiny the rest of the way. I mean, we will determine whether or not we're in the playoffs. Nobody else really is going to have to help us because it'll all take care of itself. I wasn't happy with the film. I thought it was a really uh, underwhelming performance. Uh, I thought the game totally changed. I thought we were score 100. I mean, I, the way we came out on fire, dominating the line of scrimmage, converting on third downs, getting the ball in the end zone, blocked kick. I mean, you know, the script was magical. I mean, I just thought they were going to get run out of the out of the park, but – uh, you know, things change quickly, and you pointed it out. I mean, Agnew's 66-yard run, and then the subsequent offensive series where, you know, we had a bad kickoff return under the 20. Mm-hmm. Then we have an offsides penalty on first down. Then we have a sack back to the two. Pretty soon we're kicking out of our own end zone, and it just seemed like that we lost the tone of the game totally, and I felt like that really Jacksonville – Every series after that, they just got more confidence. They played tougher. I can get into schemes later when we talk about schemes. They did some good things. 
But overall, I was really disappointed because I really thought that they out-physical us. I thought that they took our O-line to the cleaners, which and our O-line dominated them for 10 minutes. It was just amazing to me. I mean, it really came down to we had to make – I mean, our, our money guys had to make two plays or, or we don't win the game. I mean, the Wentz throw, the Wentz throw to Pittman and the catch, oh, that was clutch. and then the hustle play by Buckner mm-hmm. and the ensuing strip. I mean, those two plays are really the game because from about ten minutes into the game, uh, and Jacksonville just is awful on offense. I mean, they're Clydesdale. So, I mean, it's it's amazing to me. But <laughs> we all know it. We were all there. We saw it. I mean, you know, it was scary. Yeah, when I look at the game, you know, to me, it's the letter N. So we literally started the game like a rocket ship, straight up, and then it was kind of slow, steady decline, and then we picked it back up at the end and we finished, you know, with another bolt of lightning. So you're going up, kind of a slow down, and then back up. That That's how it was to me. I mean, we clearly dominated the first quarter, and from seven and a half minutes on, we won the game. And so big picture, no matter what, when we needed to make plays, we did, both on offense and defense. You know, Coach, you mentioned those. That, that play went to Pittman. I mean, that's a – that's a, just a Hall of Fame Herculean effort there to really go in and win the game, which we badly needed. But I agree with you, Coach. I felt like we were out physical at the point of attack. When I went back and watched the runs, now, we had some penalties. That holding call yep. against Chris Reed, by the way, was horrible. He just jump reaches the guy. Taylor busts out a 34-yard run. We're going to have first and 10 around midfield in the mid-second quarter. If we don't get a bad penalty there now I know it's if 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 ifs and buts but that should have been first and 10 on the 50 which would have changed the game but I felt like two things I felt like we relaxed so we took our foot off the gas mentally and then physically as well you know so Pittman has the false start we had uncharacteristic penalties we had seven penalties accepted we had nine or ten that could have been accepted uncharacteristic for a Frank Reich team but I did think at the point of attack Jacksonville started pushing us back in the second and third quarter and then our backside blocking cutting those guys off which was so good Eric Fisher was as good as I've seen on those the, the touchdown run and Taylor's big run early on sealing off the backside but we didn't do that in the second half and human nature took over a little bit we got up 17 nothing we kind of went we kind of exhaled and then Jacksonville like you said coach got more and more confidence they got more and more physical they had nothing to lose and they stayed in the game one thing we can learn from the tape and you always want to learn from the tape after winning not a loss but you got 17 nothing on anybody in this league I don't care who it is you got to keep your foot on the throat and I think that's something we need to learn from the Jets game when we got up 42 to 10 and from this game when we get up 17 to nothing you got to keep your foot on the throat because against a good team the difference in going up 21 or 24 to nothing than 17, that can be what's the difference between winning and losing a right, game in right. December or a playoff game. Good stuff so far from Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. I'm Matt Taylor. This is the Colts Roundtable Live every Monday night show here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. It's a part of the Colts Audio Network, and it also includes radio shows, podcasts, press conferences and player interviews, and it's available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else you download your podcasts. Listen to exclusive Colts radio and audio content on demand, and you can stay up to date on the Colts on your schedule. All right, fellas, we're going to play Tell Me Why. All right, I'll point out some situations from the game on Sunday, and uh, you guys tell me what happened and why things played out the way they did. So the first one here, we'll, we'll talk about it. You guys have already kind of alluded to it. The Colts scored on the first two drives of the first quarter, but then, as Joe alluded to, they went downhill as part of that letter in. They had nine drives the rest of the game where they managed just two field goals 
Um, they were forced to punt seven times. Five of those drives were three and outs. Those seven failed drives produced a total of just 32 yards on 24 plays. In the first quarter, Jonathan Taylor was on fire. 93 yards, 10 carries, and a touchdown. But he had just 23 yards on 11 carries the rest of the game. So, Joe, we'll start with you. The offense bogged down after the first quarter. Tell me why. What happened? First, I like your Backstreet Boys reference there with the <laughs> Tell Me Why segment. I can you tell you're a big fan it. back I was, in the day. I was, no. waiting, I was waiting for you. We'll, we'll save that. But <laughs> we talked about it a little bit, but I'm going to really three takeaways for me why our offense bogged down. First one, as I mentioned, I felt like we took our foot off the gas physically and mentally. Uncharacteristic penalties, not being as physical at the point of attack we were in the fourth, first quarter. That's number one. Number two, field position, especially in that second quarter. You know, our starting drive position was on the 20. The next one was on the 11. The next one was on the 10. Then you throw a couple five-yard penalties. Back-to-back drives were starting first and 15 from the shadow of your own end zone that really limits the call sheet you got that fires the defense up they get more aggressive aggressive send some more blitzes and then blitz would be number three for me we did not handle the blitz well when Jacksonville got down 17 nothing they got desperate and rightfully so and they started bringing a lot of different pressures and I felt like we didn't handle it particularly well it wasn't one guy it wasn't just the O-lineman the backs a couple times got run over you know Carson could have got rid of the ball quicker you know receiving receivers getting open separation downfield but I just felt like when they heated us up especially on third down and on some of the first down play actions we did not handle that blitz as well that's something that I'm sure they're taking a critical look at this week and getting fixed because you know that Buffalo is going to be watching that you know licking their chops thinking that they're going to do the same thing Sunday afternoon yeah this is a real copycat league so you must fix it you must fix it not only for Sunday but for you know the Belichicks and all those guys that study that film are going to come after you with those different things I thought a couple things that happened after watching the tape I thought and Joe alluded to it before um, where we did a really good job on cutback plays, they really shored that up as the game went on. They actually did a much better job. I thought particularly Allen on the backside really handled Allie Cox on that backside and really stuffed some of that. I thought they made that double sink go. Uh, they got in a lot of that double sink, and what they did was they kind of mauled our inside three and basically prevented them from getting anything and letting those linebackers run, letting them run and shoot, you know, particularly Jack and Wilson. And then uh, a couple key pressures, and we've got to fix this right away. Uh, you know, we, we turned away from it a couple times, but that nickel blitz was there every single time. And that isn't something that is really new to them. I mean, especially with Ford at nickel, they – they ran that thing, and he never got blocked one time. You, you know, I mean, basically Carson did a great job of a couple times just running away from it, but he was that was there. And then they got in that delta, and this bothers me. They got into uh, a 3-2 and ran the cross stunt, and nobody blocked him. I got, he got hit right down the chest. So, you know, it, again, I, our backside was not there. I thought also, Joe, we got a little stubborn – when they were running all that double sink, you, you can't run that inside zone versus that double sink. You've mm-hmm. got to go to toss cracks and power O's. And, you know, early in the game, we ran a really nice um, halfback. I call it a long trap. We powered down, and Nelson came and kicked out, you know, the defensive end. And, and, and I mean, Jonathan took it right up there. And then, you know, that we never really got back to that. So, you know, but it's a wake-up call. You know, our, our our offensive line got humbled a little bit, and they'll respond because they're that kind of guy. The other thing that was 
I think that really caught me. I think I saw it during the game, but boy, did it hit me on film. Did they do a great job on our screen game? And usually we get big plays of the screen game, but Matt, I mean, they are fast now. And they ran those things from inside out, outside in. I mean, we couldn't get and think about how many big plays we've gotten on the screen. So, you know, they they did a really good job and they gained confidence every series. Rick Venturi, Joe Wright's along. I'm Matt Taylor here on Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan we're playing. Tell me why. Tell me why, number two, the Colts won the turnover battle for the ninth time in 10 games on Sunday. And dating back to last season, the Colts have now forced a turnover in 11 consecutive games. That's the longest active streak in the NFL. Dio Adangbo strip sack or strip on the uh, on Trevor Lawrence as he was scrambling up the field. That was the defense's 21st takeaway of the season. The Colts lead the NFL in fumble recoveries with 11. They have won in 9 of 10 games this season. Rick, the Colts defense just has a knack for creating takeaways. So do the Buffalo Bills. We'll talk about that. That's the opponent coming up on Sunday. But tell me why the Colts are so good at taking the football away compared to most other defenses. Well, this is not by accident. This starts with uh, team construction. First of all, Chris is going to get defensive players that can run. He puts a lot of emphasis on ball skills, ball getting out in your history. He likes turnover players in history. So he's going to fill you that fill the room with those kinds of guys. The defense itself structurally plays with a lot of vision. There's a lot of zone in there, so there's a lot of eyes on the ball, not a lot of back-to-the-ball coverages. So, you know, basically, you know, see it, go get it. Uh, The third thing, and I think this won the game for us, really, is that the staff demands hustle. You run to the ball or you don't play here. I mean, and people talk a good game, but the Colts live a good game. And basically, a lot of their turnovers and the reason that they get, they secure them, is not just punching it out. They've got guys around the ball to get it. And really, when you look at the key play, we only had one, but it saved the day. And their their hustle plays. Basically, both Buckner and Adangbo were blocked. I mean, they didn't make great plays at the line of scrimmage, but Buckner never quits for a big guy, and he he ran right back. He was on a loop technique. He ran back inside, as did Odengbo. And so that hustle right there, Buckner, Buckner making the initial stop, and then a Dengbo coming in. That is a direct. That's a direct uh, relative to your to your hustle. Mm-hmm. And then I think the the last thing as far as team goes. Now, all that stuff being said, you would be pretty good to start with. But what makes you on another level is Darius Leonard. Now he didn't have one yesterday, but he is a guy that takes you from good to great on that aspect of the game because there's nobody like him really if you took Leonard off the team you know you'd be good but you wouldn't be great like you wouldn't be leading the league like you are now but it isn't an accident all those things are you know they they all come together and, and 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 they make for those turnovers yeah I agree and just to add on to what you said coach it starts from the 30,000-foot view, roster construction, hustling, getting guys, get can play. But, you know, turnovers is something this team, they're second in the NFL, and they do it really, really well. You know, going into yesterday, you know, the Colts were 11th, um, you know, in DVOA, you know, which basically is an adjusted metric formula that takes into a million different categories and ranks the defense in the NFL. And you say, wow, Colts 11th, you know, seems like we've been giving up a lot of yards and a lot of points, and I mean, in yards, 
you know, we're, we're in the 20s and giving up first downs, passing yards, and rushing yards, right? We're towards the bottom third in those categories. Point being, it's not an accident. It's not something that, oh, we kind of got lucky they threw the ball to us. No, this is something the Colts are intentional on. They practice it daily. They work on it in the offseason. They build their roster on being able to get turnovers. And that's why this defense has been buoyed and really why we've been able to get to five wins. And down the stretch, it's going to be awful important because you look at us, we're second in the NFL right now, but we're still five and five. You know, and we played Tennessee and we were plus three turnover dis- differential and lost the game. So if we can shore up some of those other areas, if we can shore up some technique on the back end, if we can get a better pass rush and we continue those turnovers, that's when you're going to have a team that's got a formula to not only get to the playoffs, but potentially make a deep run. And it's going to start Sunday at Buffalo. Because again, Buffalo, 24 takeaways on the season. Colts, 21. can guarantee you, Matt, that when we look at the stats Monday morning and see who won the game, the Colts got to be on the right side of that turnover battle to go up and win in Buffalo. No doubt about that. Joe writes, Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor. Tell me why number three as we close out this segment, let's talk about special teams because the Colts blocked a punt for a touchdown in the first quarter. Zaire Franklin got it. He laid out, perfectly timed the block, and then EJ Speed jumped on the ball, returned at 12 yards for the score. And over the last four seasons, including the postseason, the Colts have scored points on an NFL best six opposing punt plays. They have three touchdowns via block punts, two punt returns for touchdowns, those by Naeem Hines and a safety Special teams was a huge reason the Colts won the game on Sunday, right? The Jaguars miss an extra point and a field goal. Meanwhile, the Colts in the kicking game, they were perfect with Michael Badgley. Why have the Colts been superior than most of their opponents this season on special teams? Tell me why they're good there compared to most of the teams they play. Similar to what we talked about last segment, it's a focus from roster construction and Chris Ballard. You know, and Chris comes from Kansas City where Kansas City – always the last 10 years or so has had a, a team that's in the top five of special teams units. And then you bring in our special teams coach, Bubba Ventrone, who played in New England. And oh, by the way, does anybody try to get more out of the kicking game? Coach, you know this than Belichick. You know, I read a quote about five years ago talking about who can ever beat the Patriots in the AFC East. And it was, a you know, one of those unnamed general manager. But he said, until a team in the AFC East puts as much emphasis on the kicking game as the Patriots, they'll never beat them. Right? Because special teams always gets lost. We always talk about all offense and defense it's a third of the game those hidden yards the points and the Colts it's a focus on it from Chris Ballard I mean the fact that we drafted you know um, Glasgow out of Michigan right just to be a special teams guy that's unique and it's unique just to keep a special teams only player on the roster but it's that important to the Colts and that's something again like the New England's and Kansas City's have done for years and years so I think you combine the fact that we place a, maybe a heavier roster weighted on special teams and some other franchises and then the fact that you got a really good special team coach in Ventrone who knows and played the game can put those guys in good positions and then you have to have a good kicker and punter right and that's the last part you know having a really good kicker and a really good punter you know Rigoberto you know two-time player of the week and and let's give credit to Bagley right coming in here you know obviously Rodrigo's injured and you know he comes in here hadn't missed a kick yet he's perfect and you know he's been great and I think that's just again great signing for him to come in here and be lights out in the kicking game that's something that sometimes we can take for granted and we shouldn't because again just like offense and defense it's a third a part of the game at the end of it whether you're going to win or lose yeah it's actually become a very exciting part of our game I mean Really, when you look at it, special teams scored 18 points Sunday. I mean, it's really a special mm-hmm. teams touchdown. Uh, Badgley has 11. 
Uh, I do I do think Chris has done a really good job on the skill part of it. The kickers themselves, Badgley comes in here, does a great job. Sanchez has, you know, been tremendous, twice AFC player of the week uh, this year. Um, you know, and so we, we, we never, we very seldom ever lose it. I will say, though, that <laughs> Cook had a great day going back to what Joe said before. And his punting actually kept us on that long field all yeah. day long. He it did really a nice job. Yeah. Just to emphasize how special teams is important on everything. But I totally agree. I, you know, there's a construction aspect of it. And when you draft really well on that second and particularly that third day, and then you get some undrafted free agents, you know, like like an Odom, guys that, you know, like a um, uh, you know, just different guys that do really good jobs – and, and basically you construct your team, and that's where the roster matters. I think, you know, sometimes on offense and defense, the first, the top ten guys are important, but I think the roster matters on special teams. Then I totally agree with on Ventrone. He does a great job motivationally, schematically. Mm-hmm. He has those guys ready to play. He coached under Scotty O'Brien with Belichick and under Mike Westoff. He played for those guys. And those two guys probably are the best special teams coaches in my history. And just a little antidote about Belichick, and that's exactly right, how they, how, how they play special teams. When I coached the secondary for Belichick, I had two guys, Benny Thompson and Louis Riddick, who does TV now. And those guys were primarily special teams guys, and they didn't even do individual with me. They did individual with the special <laughs> teams coach. And I'm serious. I mean, that was That's I was awesome. always lobbying for it. And I, I never won that battle. <laughs> no, I mean, the Colts have Isaiah Rogers. They have Ashton Doolin. Doolin is the guy I was trying. Yeah. I, I hitched in the draw there. That's the most underrated guy on this team. No doubt. I mean, he leads teams. the NFL in special teams tackles, and George Odom did the same thing last year through same, 16 yes, games. Yes, so. yeah. Yep. All right, that's a look at Tell Me Why, a look at some key areas in the game yesterday. Again, the Colts beat the Jaguars 23-17. to When we come back, we'll get to the mailbag. We'll talk about the Bills. We'll talk about the emergence of Quiddy Pay and what to expect in the final seven games of the season for the Colts when we return here on Colts Roundtable Live. It's brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. We're back in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. From the Power Home Solar Radio Studio, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. Welcome back again here on Colts Roundtable Live. Good to be with you tonight. I'm Matt Taylor with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. It's presented, as always, by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. The show tonight's also brought to you in part by Meyer, the official supercenter of the Colts and proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. And we're taking your Twitter questions now. Send them in tonight and every Monday night using hashtag Colts Roundtable. Let's go to Monty's question first. Joe, now that Quiddy Pay has his first sack, do you expect him to catch fire with seven games to go? Catch fire? I hope so. I definitely expect him to get more, and I think really three reasons come to mind. One, Matt, he's healthy. You know, he had the hamstring injury, and when mm-hmm. you're an explosive speed rusher type guy and you don't trust yourself totally, especially as a rookie, that can be hard. I think number two, he's gaining experience, and he's continuing to get better every game. I mean, when you're going up against the Dwayne Browns and the Whitworths yeah. early in the year like he was, you know, Pro Bowl left tackles with and 15 he missed, years he missed experience. Two games too, right? I mean, exactly. That, that factors so, into it too. So, so you're just going to gain more experience he's continued to do it and then I think three you know finishing 
how to finish the play to the ground. And a lot of guys can get pressure. And, you know, Pay had had a lot of pressures leading up to today. But great to kind of get that monkey off your back, get that first one when you take the quarterback to the ground. And then the last thing is we showed a lot more blitzes which I really liked yesterday. I mean, the first two third downs, we brought five once, then we brought six. The first time, they had to go inside on the linebacker. Pay gets free access, quarterback knockdown. You know, I don't know why we didn't stay with the blitz. Really, when the game changed for Jacksonville, they had a third and 10. We dropped nine guys. We only rushed two. They get a first down. Next play, Agnew, 65 for a touchdown. So whenever we blitzed, there was only one time they got a completion on third down on a blitz. So if that's something we continue to do, that should open up more sack lengths for Pay. But awful excited about him you throw in Dio too who got the force fumble and, and kind of gets that first taste of what it's like to make a huge game changing play awful excited for those two guys you know down the stretch the last seven games what do you think of quitty pay Rick well you know I, I I want him to continue to go I like pay uh, I liked him when we drafted him uh he's he's just a great effort guy um, you know, you know, our sacks yesterday were freak sacks. They're not, they're not sacks that I, I cherish in that, uh, they weren't like we lined up and we beat a good protector one-on-one -on -one and got to the quarterback. I mean, the Star Wars sack is a double scramble. It, it really is like almost a punt return. It's like mm -hmm. a loose play sack. Uh, the last sack, which won the game was hustle on a scramble and quitty got pretty lucky actually to the two quarterback hits that he got uh other than the sack were, were schematic i mean they didn't block him they didn't touch him they uh we got up and blitz and i'm with joe i want pressure and i think you're gonna have to put pressure on Allen to be honest with you but you know and then the, the defense the offensive line turned down and he got two straight hits and then on his sack it was an rpo that the left tackle blocked him like it was a run because it was a run to him mentally. And then our corners did a great job. Incidentally, I thought Yassin played the game of his life. But we did a good job, and he had to hold the ball. If you hold the ball on an RPO, the, the defense, the offensive tackle has no chance. And so, you know, Pay was able to get up there, and hopefully that gives him the confidence. Uh, we're still not doing, though, a real good job of just winning one-on-ones. And that's why... I agree with Joe. I think pressure is really going to be important. I just, you know, we've gone here long enough to not see a lot of winning one-on-ones along the line of scrimmage, and, and that's going to be critical. I would think that the confidence level now with pay may be a really real help going forward. All right, we'll find out. Let's hit the pause button. When we come back, we'll take some more of your Twitter questions. Get them in tonight using hashtag Colts Roundtable. Again, with Joe Wrights and Rick Venturi, I'm Matt Taylor. We're back in just a moment on Colts Roundtable Live, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We now return to Colts Roundtable Live. Once again, here's Matt Taylor from the Power Home Solar Radio Studio. We're back for the final time here on Colts Roundtable Live. It's always presented by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. Again, I'm Matt Taylor with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights, the former Colts. And tonight's show is also brought to you by Everstream, Indy's business-only fiber network, faster fiber and better business. And you can always tweet your questions in for the guys using hashtag Colts Roundtable. We have time for one more question before we get into the Bills up next in Week 11 uh, on Sunday for the Colts. Paul is asking, Joe, are the next two games make or break for us? Do we have to split with Buffalo and Tampa Bay or win both? 
to have a shot at keeping pace with other AFC teams? Well, great question, Paul. And I think people are starting, you know, fans out there, myself included, to look at the AFC playoff picture. Mm-hmm. You know, right now we would be, you know, the 10 seed. Uh, a couple games out uh, ahead of us would be Vegas and Cincinnati are both five and four, but they play each other next week. You know, the Steelers play the Chargers next week. That AFC North and AFC West is just going to beat each other into submission, which is good for Colts fans. But when I look at these next two, if you win both, you're in a great spot. I mean, a great spot because not only are you seven and five and control your destiny, you beat two of the best teams in football and you're feeling great about yourself. I think if you lose both, you're done, right? You get to five and seven, you know, then you then you got to win five in a row just to get to 10 wins, lose an interdivisional tiebreaker or, uh, you know, conference with the Bills. So to me, you got to at least split these games, right? And get to six and six coming home. But we got to clean some things up if we want to beat the teams. And that's been the knock on this Colts team all year. You're 5-5, five and five, but you haven't been able to beat the truly really good or elite football teams. And we've been close, but we haven't been able to finish. And there's a million different things you can look at. But when I look at it holistically, one, we got to continue to win the turnover battle, especially with Buffalo. Number two, we got to get better in the back end. Because when you're playing Josh Allen, when you're playing Tom Brady, we cannot let those guys pick us apart with their best receivers like some teams have done. That That's part secondary. That's part the pass rush we talked about earlier. And I agree with Coach. I think we got to do things differently schematically because we're not truly just beating guys one-on-one. Bring some more pl- pressure. Bring some blitzes. Kenny Moore is a great blitzer from the corner position. You know, Darius Leonard can really run. Okereke, they can get after the quarterback because of that speed. We we have and then offensively we got to find somebody else and when I say somebody else Jonathan Taylor check him off he's good to go Pittman I think he's emerged he's got the most third down catches in the league he's going to make big plays when he need to but that somebody else has got to come either from T.Y. Hilton who I know is just getting back but you know he had five targets only had one catch yesterday or Naheem Hines Hines had four touches for 30 yards that's a pretty good ratio I think one of those two guys T.Y. or Hines has got to be that third wheel offensively with Taylor and Pittman. we got to be able to feed because teams are going to start to either load the box to take away Taylor or they're going to start to double and bracket Pittman, and we got to find answers offensively from one of those other two guys. All right, tonight's show is also brought to you by Caesars. All season long, player predictive game pick six brought to you by Caesars Sportsbook. Visit the Colts app every week before kickoff and click on pick six to submit your answers for a chance to win Colts prizes You must be 21 to play. As we close out, talk about the Buffalo Bills. They beat the Jets on Sunday. It wasn't even close. It was 45-17. They rebounded after falling to the Jaguars last week, 9-6. The Bills forced five turnovers in the game on Sunday, all of them coming from their secondary with four picks and a fumble recovery. Josh Allen threw for 366 and two touchdowns. Uh, Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis each went over 100 yards receiving in the game and their big win over the Jets. As Joe alluded to, the Bills are the number one team in the NFL in takeaways at 24. They have eight turnovers on defense in the last two games. Rick, what else do we need to know about the Bills? Give us the quick skinny on Buffalo heading into the week here. Well, there's no question. The sense of urgency has to be there. I mean, we've got this is the seven or bust part of the season. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got to win five out of seven, and we've got to win three out of five against playoff teams, and that starts Sunday um, you know, I agree. Uh, if we don't blow the last two minutes of the first half uh, in Orchard Park uh, in the playoffs, we beat Buffalo. I'm not as big a Buffalo fan as everybody else is, but statistically, they are off the charts. You know, the big three that I look at QBR, points given up, 
and turnover differential, I look at that. I, I think they're the most telling three stats on every team. Turnover differential, number one. Points given up, number one. QBR, he's moved up to number seven. So those are really light, lights-out statistics. Like I said, the five wins that we've had, you know, basically are bottom feeders. Now we have a chance to write the narrative, to rewrite the narrative. You know, the 0-8 tells us it's a reality. We haven't beat the top teams, and now we're facing them, and we're facing them with our fate in hand. Um, I think the biggest thing you got to know is they're number two in scoring, number one in points given up. That's awfully good. Uh, Allen is a pain. He's a really good quarterback. He's a tremendous athlete. He's improved his accuracy over the years amazingly so. I think that was the question yeah. coming in. He's addressed that, but he is a great athlete. You you know, we saw it last year when he got on the edge in that two-minute drive, and he will throw it downfield. I mean, when he scrambles, he can run for 30, but he can throw for 50. You've got to have a great plan against Allen, and you cannot let him on the edge of your defense. Number two, and I'm not asking for this. I'm begging for this. You have to have a plan for Diggs. Diggs is maybe the premier guy in the league. He was a little bit quiet for a couple of weeks. Yesterday, he exploded. You know, part of it was Beasley was out a little bit during the game with ribs. Um, you know, Emmanuel Sanders is good, but Diggs is great. You have to have a plan, that third phase that I always talk about for Diggs. And then the other thing is when Beasley is healthy – he is just absolutely outstanding in the slot. He's one of the best third and possession guys. He's like Edelman. Uh, he's like Welker. And actually, when he was out, McKenzie, who's a great return guy, and don't forget that, great return guy in McKenzie. Now, defensively, they're very, very good. Their ratings are off the chart. Number one total, number one scoring defense. And yet, they don't maybe have one guy that is an ambient player, but I'll tell you what, they got a boatload of good football players. Their scheme is very practical, but it's sticky. It's very sticky. They play tight man press. They play four match. Um, they'll come after you. Uh, they don't do a million things, but what they do, they do well, and they can copy. They have all the things in their packages that Jacksonville gave us Sunday and they just play really, really good at the team. Hard to find a liability, uh, maybe with the exception of Wallace, the one corner. But you know White is a premier corner. You know he's going to match Pittman. Yep. So, you know, I've been saying all along, and Joe just re reiterated it, we've got to have some other guys step up because we wanted to go after Campbell with Hilton, and, and Campbell stuffed Hilton Sunday. So, you know, we've got to have another guy when we get into these really good teams. But I'm really excited about it. I think there's a quality of Buffalo. I think they're a front-running team. Um, I think if you can, you know, if you can rattle them like we had them rattled in the first half and let them off, um, I, I, I really look forward to this game. I agree. We, we walked out of there last year thinking that we really should have won that game. All right, that's the rundown on the Buffalo Bills. Should be fun coming up on Sunday. we got all week to talk about it. But we got to run tonight. That's all the time we have. We're up against it. My thanks to everybody who joined the show tonight and tweeted in their questions. And again, my thanks to Rick and Joe and Frank Reich who joined the program on the first segment of the show tonight. The Pacers are up next. The Blue and Gold are in New York tonight to battle the Knicks. Colts Roundtable Live returns next Monday with a recap of the Colts and the Bills. 
next week. Until then, have a great week, and we'll talk about the game throughout the week here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Good night.